What up, world? Welcome back to this feisty episode of the Amera Podcast. I can just feel the energy coming off of the team tonight. It's harrowing. Episode 166. 166? Sir. Yes. 500 yep. away from 666. Nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hail Satan. That's Hail the ultimate Satan. goal. That's when the podcast it. ends. There it is. 666. That's the last one. <laughs> we are here to talk about Ukraine today, mostly. There's so much to talk about, but we're going to focus just on that right now. But before we get into the meat and the potatoes, let me introduce the uh, lovely crew this evening. We have, staring at him right now, Mr. John Anderson in the Denver metro area. What up, sir? Hello. I didn't realize this until I literally got on the video, but the t-shirt I'm wearing today, it says, don't make me repeat myself, history. Which oh. <laughs> I can't even see that on yeah. the video Which, feed. That's uh, so funny. Very <laughs> apropos. Perfect. I literally just grabbed one out of the dryer because I'm the person that just leaves the shit in the dryer and grabs it from there. Yeah. And uh, just randomly picked the t-shirt and then got on the video and was like, oh, very appropriate. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm. I like mm. it. I like it. Fascinating. Also with us out in the Denver metro area, John Kelly. What up, sir? Uh, nothing. Glad to be back. Glad are to you, do another uh, are you? Up, upbeat episode. Actually, I am. Um, you know, part of part of doing this podcast with you guys is like it's kind of cathartic to be able to talk about some of the stuff Fair. that's happening. The last the last week uh, with the Russian invasion of the Ukraine has been uh, wild um, to watch. So, yes. yeah. Well, and I know how you intellectual types are. You like to get these things off your chest and talk about them. <laughs> also, <laughs> a dig? I don't know. I couldn't tell. <laughs> that was, the, like that a, was a compliment like in the form yeah, of a fine. dig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our West Coast correspondent, Tyler Grillo. How are you this evening? What's up? Oh, you know, hanging in there and trying to not freak out about the prospect of nuclear war. Um, my yeah. shirt says uh, pro choice, pro feminism, pro cats. Um, which may not directly seem as related, but in fact, I would submit that um, patriarchal autocratic assholes uh, like Putin um, are the ones we're fighting against here. And if you work, read the work of Wilhelm Reich, he's like, he was a huge feminist who was like, yeah, the whole problem with fascism is patriarchy. So it is related for all you nerds out yeah. there. That's fair. I thought you were going to just say that we should all bow down to our cat overlords now and get it over with. Everybody <laughs> be a lot happier. That too. <laughs> Did we find out uh, it, the the like cat people banned Russian cats? Did we did we find out the details on that? I was just like, you know what? Jumping the shark. I can't spend brain power on this right now. It's been crazy. But I am curious. It's been wild. Oh, Blake, you need to introduce yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, don't let me interrupt your. Uh, I'm fascinated. I didn't know that cats were actually leading the invasion right now, but please. <laughs> Against all well, humankind. All humankind. It's been like, there's been a, a major bandwagoning effect of people just banning Russian shit and like. Some of it has been crazy, like, and yeah, it, it's yeah, been a very yeah. weird um, 
part of this to watch of like yeah well like the vodka one which was like apparently a lot of those brands are made in like former soviet countries like not in russia so it's like uh, i get where you're going with that but like research do do a little research (laughs) and then like a lot of a lot of sports federations are banning um like I feel like every sports federation has banned Russia from competing, um, and some of them are compete are are banning Russian players. Uh, it looks like the the Canadian Hockey League, which is one of the feeder leagues in the NHL, is not going to. They draft uh, 15, 14, 15 year olds. It sounds like they're going to ban the drafting of Russian and Belarusian players, um, which is pretty right. wild. And I, I, honestly, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the, the, there's a Finnish league team, Joker it, that left the KHL. Yeah, so like, they we're not straight gonna, up. We're not going to play in the KHL anymore because of and it. What are and the, probably the KHL is the second best league on the planet. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And one of the interesting yeah. things about that, too, I heard was that they were getting um, uh, sponsor pressure to do it. Like it, yeah. it sounded mm-hmm. like that was a, a large reason they did it. Is a bunch of sponsors were like, "We're not sponsoring a KHL team." Sorry. Yeah. The so, owner, the owner of the Chelsea Football Club, who's a off. Russian oligarch, is given given power off to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I saw uh, that was a headline, and then I, I think I saw that he's now come out and said he's going to sell it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Right. So the, the swiftness to which that happened is very impressive. Yeah. Um, very yeah. impressive. Yeah. Before we get too much in the weeds, because we're going to be in so many weeds and always and ingesting weeds and so many things. Um, In case you've been living under a rock. uh, I'm just thinking like in case you didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. Putin invade, which honestly, let's some people, some people are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Putin uh, invaded. And I think it's important to say Putin because like. I agree. It's just make a distinction between like the Russian people and their autocratic leader, um, even though some of them support him, but many do not, as they've been shown by protesting in the streets and risking their lives, honestly, to do that. Um, but Putin invaded Ukraine, calling it a special military operation, um, which is clever um, because it's th- clever wording and using certain things like being like, oh, the the separatist region, like recognizing them as independent. When Trump said he was genius, which Trump's uh, uh, just we don't have to get into that his whole thing with this i mean we will we will definitely get into that uh but um it is like internationally it's a move to be like oh we recognize the versus like i'm invading another country going like i'm going to recognize these breakaway territories as independent and then make a move is a move to do but then he's continued to then also go for the capital which is not a breakaway part of the and maybe that's a good place to start is some of the justifications that Putin has talked about over the last month or really longer than that, but really the ones that have bubbled up to the surface over the last month um, has been a combination of Western NATO aggression, um, freedom for Russian Ukrainians, basically. That's the independent states that are in the southeastern part of the Ukraine, basically. Uh, And then also kind of a a wild, interesting one, too, which is the denazification of the Ukraine, which is also uh, pretty good. I I mean, there are, there's Nazis in the Ukraine, but yeah, go ahead. Super really quick point uh, that I thought was interesting is um, evidently we're not supposed to say the Ukraine. We're supposed to say Ukraine because it, it, it was yeah. a construction to right. um, delegitimize Ukraine as a a, a country. Um, so just 
quick point. I read that recently, and I Makes have sense. stopped doing that. Uh, that That's was right. You don't that... call it the Romania or the exactly. Germany. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah. But the justifications have been. Um, one of the most interesting things about this, I guess, from like a political science perspective uh, and a tactical military perspective has been the way that Biden used information warfare to um, what people have been calling pre-butt the justifications for this war. So they were like, hey, everybody heads up, like Russia is going to try and invade Ukraine and they are going to use false flag operations in order to do it. Oh, by the way, here's some details on the false flag operations they were planning. And so the justification, if they hadn't done any of that and then all of a sudden there's some like false flag stuff that goes on fox news gets a hold of it you know it's very very hard to tell what's going on um i think that this goes pretty differently but because biden was able to predict basically putin's moves and then release that intelligence information to the world which is a new thing that we have seen which is yeah. incredibly interesting to me um it it put Putin in a really difficult spot because, um, like in 2014, Putin was much better. Granted, the operation was much reduced, but he was better able to control the information part of the of the war. And I think Biden did. Yeah, and their yeah, and their tactical focus for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I thought that Biden did a great job leaking that kind of stuff. It was like and it was kind I, of yeah. like offhanded to our allies in Western Europe saying, "Hey, this this is going to happen. This is what we know." You know, and it was a it was a signal, I think, two ways. One, uh, you know, it signaled uh, Ukrainians to be prepared as well as other countries to be prepared. But it also was a larger thing to say, we still have your back. We're a new administration mm-hmm. again, and we we definitely have NATO's back here. And I think the information part of this is like incredibly interesting. Maybe this is a good point to bring in that thread. There's a thread by Carol uh, Cadwaller, um, who is a uh, reporter for The Guardian. And um, I think she has a really useful construction of how to think about what's going on and kind of put it into a little bit of wider context. Um, Honestly, I think I'll just read some of her thread instead of trying to summarize it because she does it better than I do. Do Um, So she says, I think we may look back at this as the first great information war capitalized proper noun, except we're already eight years in, which is an important point. The first great Mm -hmm. information war began in 2014. The invasion of Ukraine is the latest front, and the idea it doesn't already involve us is a fiction, a lie. It was Putin's fury at the removal of President Yanukovych in February 2014 that kicked everything off. Information operations were first critical step in invasion of Crimea Crimea and Donbass. A deliberate attempt to warp reality to confuse both Ukrainians and the world. This was not new. The Soviets had practiced... Russian word for dim- disinformation for years. Uh, but <laughs> oh, what was on, new? Desinformationizia. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, nailed, it, nailed it. Nailed it. That's because I studied <laughs> Russian in college. Um, and by college, I mean read it on the internet. Uh, but what was new, continuing, but what was new in 2014 was technology, social media. It was a transfer transformative moment. Hybrid warfare on steroids, a golden Willy Wonka ticket to manipulate hearts and minds almost completely invisibly. 
But it wasn't just Ukraine. We now know Russia, and this is important part, we now know Russia began another offensive in February 2014 against the West, specifically but not exclusively America. How do we know this? Mm. Because the FBI conducted a forensic multi-year investigation that almost no one paid attention to. <laughs> the Mueller report. You may have heard about it, but probably as a headline about how it didn't quote-unquote prove collusion. Uh, we come, but we couldn't come back to that blah, blah, blah. Um, and just one of the ways Russia attacked 2016 U.S. election was via tech platforms, especially Facebook. This was a military technique. It pioneered in Ukraine in 2014. And yeah. so that, I think, is a really useful construction of understanding the greater context and understanding kind of our greater moment, which was this was all precipitated in 2014 with the ousting of a... Of a Putin-backed dictator, yeah. and in place, Ukraine became a democracy, and that is what set off Putin's original yeah. invasion. That's where they pioneered all of these techniques that they then used in 2016 to destabilize the United States with Donald Trump's election, and now they tried to use similar techniques in this conflict, but we have now caught up, which is what we were just talking about in uh, with Biden's response, and so I think this is all a very useful construction of the context and also a useful way of understanding the adversaries of this, which is autocracy and supporters of autocracy on one side and democracy and supporters of democracy on another side. And it is a global conflict that we're already in, not a world war, but a global conflict. Yeah. And and I mean, yeah. you can see the success of what's happened with their campaign since 2014. By the way, I would say that uh, it, for any of our listeners, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, there is a, a very good documentary on Netflix about the 2014 election um, and yes. the Russian um, outrage and response to that since then. Um, but, you know, that that entire um, kind of psych op warfare that you're talking about, John, is absolutely present in the United States, exactly why you have a chunk of uh, United States citizens during the last week saying that the only reason this war happened is because the Ukraine is a deep state puppet and Trump didn't get elected, right? The, the hardcore yeah, Trumpers yeah, are, yeah, you know, yeah. have spun it that way. And that's absolutely to Russia's Insane. benefit. And it's because yes. of Russian <laughs> yes. interference in our elections. Um, but, you know, I want to go back to the kind of this idea about you know, information sharing as well, because uh, not only I, I think is that the thread you read is correct in terms of how states respond in a capital I information warfare in the 21st century, but also how everyday citizens, people around the planet respond to it. I, this is the first real kind of invasion of a country you see that is recorded specifically on phones. It is shared up to the minute. You can go onto Reddit right now and look at war footage of people getting shot and run yes. over in the streets, people shooting each other. And just as much as uh, the violence that's happening in the Ukraine, which is very real, it's absolutely an information battle to get support on the global scale by both the Russians and the Ukrainians. It is absolutely true that the, and I think it's, I think it's true at this point, that the Ukrainian state is actually winning that battle. The pictures of Zelensky in the streets in full scrubs have gone viral across the entire internet in a matter of days, right? Ukrainian yeah. citizens standing in like burnt out or abandoned tanks, right? I, it's changing yeah. the narrative and the way that people think about a ground invasion in real time. And it's fascinating yeah. to see, right? Hour by hour, it changes. Yeah. 
I'm really, really yeah. glad you brought that up because that's something I wanted to talk about. Um, so prior to the Industrial Revolution, we had, you know, and I guess I'll talk about more Europe specifically because I know that better. You had armies that were led and and financed and supported by um, not really even really nation states, but lords or whoever. And a lot of times, like, they went off, they fought a battle, and they, like, moved some land around, and peasants might have gone through an entire war never having realized that it was a thing, right? And then war became industrialized in... Um, around the time that in the Industrial Revolution happened, and we came up with a, a term for that called total war. Prior to um, the World Wars, I think it might have been World War II, maybe World War I, there was no term for home front, right? Yeah, like, that's, that wasn't world, a that's thing. World War One. yeah. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. so that, di- that didn't exist prior to that, right? And I think it's very early days, but... To my knowledge, this has been the way that this has played out in real time on social media and the the impact that that has on the uh, what's happening on the ground in the war, uh, what's happening with things like sanctions, uh, other countries deciding to join NATO, uh, the EU, all of that. It's having real world impacts, I think. And so I think we've seen... I'm going to call it an expansion in the understanding of total war. Right. Well, um, yeah, look, whereas- look, look at the, and I mean, maybe the historical context of what happened with Germany in World War II has spurred some of this quick response, for sure, in terms mm-hmm. of an invasion of another country in Europe. But I mean, the way that the Russians have entered the Ukraine is very similar in terms of amount of actual space taken to what the Germans did to Poland when they first invaded Poland over the first week, right? <laughs> like, if you mm-hmm. look at it historically, yeah. invasions take time. It, taking land from other people takes time, right? And yeah. you see it unfold, and I, I think you're right, seeing people having their apartment complexes shot out by Russian jets moves people to be like, we got to stop this now. This is, you know, as quickly as possible. Yeah. And and you, you brought it up, but the, the, the sanctions were so quick and a lot more severe than you've seen pretty much across the board in terms of the United States getting behind sanctions in any time. So uh, some of them are wild. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, which we can yeah. talk about later. Yeah. 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 And the tw- like, you know, prior to like the 20th century and, you know, I mean, there are other examples of this, but generally, right, like this total war thing, it was like the goal was to capture and take over the economies, the land, the the cities, right? Like the idea was, oh, I'm going to get all these resources, not to destroy those. And of course, there are still like capturing like certain sites and was nuclear facilities and things like that. Historically, the idea was, I'm going to take over that, and then I'm going to oh, get that in my kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, World yeah, War yeah, II like, and Hitler are seen as the last um, vestige of like we're going to take over land because it's beneficial to our economy and state. That's pretty much, sure. uh, yeah. I guess other maybe than China eating up some stuff. Um, but we, we largely haven't seen wars do that. It's been more like ideological struggles and, and putting in place like governments that support those ideologies yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And so th- that's really interesting. And, you know, like Kelly, you were saying, yeah, we haven't, we've never seen a total 
invasion, full-out invasion um, on social media. But we have seen, of course, many other violent conflicts and various military operations like, obviously, yep. Syria and Aleppo, mm-hmm. right? We've seen a lot of things with that, and this garners support. And let us not forget that <laughs> Russia and the United States were also involved in those things. Right, but, that, um, but that's what John was getting at. It's more of an ideological thing and less of a, we're taking land specifically it, to take land. Exactly. Yeah, and so it's going to be interesting, and, and and you know, just to name like the that people have been talking about, like the the Western media bias of like this. Oh, this is so horrible. We haven't seen these things, and um, you know, there's some nuance in there where it's like it's very true. Like we have seen these things before. It's just that it hasn't been happening in places that are primarily occupied with white people, where white people live, right? So there's a different way. There's a there is some racism happening there, absolutely. And the thing that's different is that those. This this is a full out invasion one, which is which has not happened. It's not an insurgency. It's not being it's not supporting yeah, it's not with just the aircraft. Strikes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not doing that. Which all those things are horrible. It's it's and and it's you know things in Syria also dragged on, right? So we are going to see how we're going to see how much this stays in the media as it drags on. That will be an interesting thing to see. I think the other thing that might make it stay in the media other than the racist part and other than um, it being a flat invasion is also that this, those were all proxy wars. Those were all proxy wars that were ultimately struggles between larger powers, mostly the U.S. and Western countries and Russia. And this is now an actual invasion. And one of those countries not using, not doing a proxy war, but actually invading another country. Right. And it's yeah. happening in Western, in, in, in Eastern Europe. And there are nuclear sites right. and yeah. powers involved. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Involved. The, the, yeah. The, the nuclear side of it is what is really makes it something that people should pay attention to. In, in a much higher reason that they would. And it's not, and, and you're right, Tyler, and I'm glad that you brought it up that there is some bias in terms of uh, the death and the responses. Like, you can see it all over the place, right? The idea that Ukrainians are all heroes, right? But like, Syrian freedom fighters may not all be heroes. Like, you saw right. that narrative when we were talking yeah. about Syria at times. Um, but this is, it's true. The United States and Russia, and United, like, Yes, Russia is posturing that the issue is that the Western European states are combining against them and putting them in, at a great disadvantage and potentially a military's harm's way if they ever decided to act in the future. Which is not which, not true, bro, because you're an autocracy and these right. are democracies. And so, like, kind of, like, you know, we are trying right. to, like, yeah. keep you in check for exactly the reasons of what's happening right fucking now. Right. Right. Right, but yeah, exactly, and and NATO is in and of itself really just the United States backing of Western Europe, yeah. right after World War II, and that's what it is, and it's been a really great positive thing worldwide. We can debate till the end of days, alliance. right? As a defensive alliance, alliance, right? But I mean, the, we're the two superpowers. We control ninety percent of the world's nuclear arms, and within a month, this thing could be troops on the ground if it's not handled correctly, and that could potentially mean mutually assured destruction at the end of the day like it's probably not going to happen but it's not impossible you know so no one of the things i want to bring up for discussion is yes this is obviously putin's war but he's using russian troops as far as what kind of troops they are we've heard conflicting reports right like there was that 18 to 20 year old group that maybe was recruited and sent in for a training mission and and other things Mm -hmm. like that but at what point do 
the military, the people in the military themselves, because this isn't a democracy. This Their military is not set up like our military. I actually have a an article right here from Slate from three weeks ago saying uh, the quiet signs that Russia's elites are deeply divided on Ukraine. Subtitled, retired military brass have begun warning Putin not to invade. So, like, at what point do the people in the military dissent, I guess, or or do these generals dissent and then the military fall in line? Like, we've discussed here within our own country happening, but perhaps they're even more ripe for it, right? So, um, yeah. in ways they already are, you know, there's been reports of very low morale. Uh, there's been a ton of reports of the the military was not told what they were doing. They were told they were go- yeah. on a mili- uh, training exercise. Um, they There's been reports of them slashing gas tanks uh, of their own vehicles. And um, so, you know, like, resistance is a spectrum. Um, and I think we've been seeing some resistance from military personnel. Obviously, some of them are gung ho. There's also a a, a Chechen unit, um, I believe uh-huh. that yeah, is there. That. Um, yeah. that is supposed to be very, very um ruthless. So there was a report that they were the ones who were were sent to assassinate. Um, oh, Zelensky. Zelensky. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. There's, you know, the resistance is happening in some ways, but there's, there's, you know, there's ways to passively resist, and then there's way, or like for example, um, in World War One, there are, towards the end of the war, there were a lot of troops on the western side that were like, look, we're gonna we're gonna man the trenches, and the Germans aren't gonna come. You know, we'll defend against the Germans, but we we're just not attacking. Sorry, and there were like large units that did that, and so True. you know, like there's there's gray areas in terms of resistance or mutiny or whatever, um, and I think we're seeing some of that, and that's been one of the reasons why Russia hasn't been successful in their quick strike military operation, which is what they seem to have planned, and now they're. Uh, to be literal, bringing in the heavy artillery, which is going to be bad for everybody. So I guess at what point do we stop calling this Putin's war? And and if there's X amount of Russians following through with it, at what point does it it's, become... Yeah, but when you, live in, when you live in an autocracy, it's hard. Yeah. Right. In an autocracy, it's like, oh, you're not going to fight, I'm going to kill your family. I also don't you know? think that's it, a good it, war fighting strategy. Um, we mm-hmm. We need to divide and conquer right one of the most effective general strategies humans have have conceived of and so being able to say this is putin's war this is putin's war russia you know like one of the things i i love uh the idea of is we offer you know um like a a reward for any russian that deserts um but does that not but by calling it, but by insinuating that this may be become from Putin's war to Russia's war, does that not kind of incentivize those Russians to maybe take a stand? No, it does. Well, it take a stand in favor Against of Putin because they're like, no, I think it does the opposite. It what it does I, is it, I think it, it depends. It yeah. weds the the soul. Basically, if I'm a soldier and I'm hearing that from the West, I'm like, well, great. Even if I surrender, they're not going to believe me. They're probably going to, you know, like do some horrible shit to me if I surrender. And so my only option is to stick with this guy. Uh, and so if you give them an out, like you want to give them the carrot and the stick, right? You say, look, we're going to bomb your ass to oblivion if you continue to do this. But if you lay down your arms, here's a stack of U.S. cash. And so 
like the 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 if if you don't provide the carrot, if you're like, I'm just going to bomb you and you have no way of getting out of this, then they're going to fight harder. And you saw that, uh, you saw that with the Germans. So, right, if they don't take the cash, then does it become Russia's war? No, because the fourth dimension exists. They could take the cash in the future. Yeah. And I think also you have to understand, like you're coming at this as if they like under, they have like all the information or making a, like an they didn't even know they're going to war. <laughs> Right. They didn't even know they're going to war one, and also like state Russian like state sanctioned media is all they're getting, right? Like Russian state sanctioned media. So like they're getting sure, which ties back little. into the information war. I think it's a, we I think it's just a bad war fighting strategy. Yeah, I, I mean, I also say that we're so new into the conflict and what could possibly happen over the next two days, week, month, two six years. months. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like Kiev could be under siege for the next five months and they could slowly kill every person that's left standing in there. Right. That's yeah. potentially what we could be looking at as well. I, I think, Blake, when it becomes Russia's war is how long this drags out and how they continue to choose to react. Right. right. If yeah. it turns into a slog in eastern Ukraine and mm-hmm. Putin continues to send in air airstrikes, artillery, men. And it's just nothing's nothing is working for them. And the Ukrainian strong, you know, the Ukrainian fighters stand up strong against them and continue to kill Russian soldiers. And it's a stalemate. Then it becomes more of a this is a Russia war. And I I, I think it's hard to say because history judges how you call wars at the end of the day. I think calling it Putin's war now is helpful for the West and it's helpful for information coming into Russia to try to play that information game that we were talking about earlier. Um, and you know, if it gets, if it gets really hairy and there's a lot of killing of citizens and, you know, there's very ruthless Russian and there's no kind of reports coming out that there's no plans to try to depose Putin of his power. There's no real move by the oligarchs after the next couple of weeks to try to stop Putin from doing what he's doing. Right. Then you can say, yeah, it's more of a Russian wide thing. Um, but I think, I think it's a little hard to say right now exactly geez. where that falls. You know, there's a lot of people that truly support Vladimir Putin in Russia. There's a lot of backers that really support him. Yeah, there's a lot. There's plenty of people that don't like the war. A lot of in urban areas, a lot of the really rural areas love Vladimir Putin. They love the idea of an imperial Russia again, raising the economy, being a better Russia in the world. They're they like not, that stuff. They're just not down with war right now. Oh, they might be. I think it's important that we avoid this, especially because I do believe that this is going to be a long conflict and turning it into um, Russia war, Russians war, that every Russian is responsible for this is going to be a dehumanizing thing. And that that creates, um, that further incentivizes atrocity. And um, 100%. and and a, a worse war. And so one of the ways to um, reduce the duration of this war is to drive a wedge between Putin and the Russian people. So I, I don't think I'll ever be for that basically under any circumstance. It's a bad war fighting strategy, and I think it's it, it might be a wrong moral thing to do as well. And also from an imperialistic standpoint, it hits close to home because we never say we're America, even though our soldiers go in and fight stuff on the ground sometime that we're not associated with. Right. Are you going to blame yeah, yeah, yeah. me for all of George Bush's actions in Iraq? Don't do that. Right. Well, and it does kind yeah, of ring yeah. some similar bells, right? Like there's a lot of people being like, oh, this isn't my war, you know, like there's no nukes here. Mm-hmm. 
So, but thanks, Kelly. That does answer my question uh, as of to like, what, at what point does that line get crossed? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, it, it's also going back to what John said earlier is like, you know, really the core issue is autocracies versus democracies. Mm-hmm. That's really what we're seeing here, right? We're seeing China more or less side with Russia. Although I did see an article earlier, I didn't get a chance to read it about they're like, kind of, yeah, they're kind of fuzzy. Some, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think China, honestly, they're like playing the fence. To China see could. Happens. Yeah. I think they're playing it <laughs> yeah. cautiously, which they don't is really want to fight. They just want to keep making money, you know, like, right. I don't know if they really want, they don't have the same, the, the one thing is they're looking for a, a precedent on Taiwan, which is part yeah, of the yeah, reason why yeah. the West might have kicked Russia in the balls, sure. frankly, with the, with the sanctions, was as a message yeah. to China as well. Like, hey, man, this is going to be real yeah. fucking painful for you if you think about doing anything. Yeah, because like that Russia taking Crimea, fucking China taking Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Like they, that that sort of thing. They're like, cool. But now they're like, oh, how's this going down? They're like, oh, not going well. So I think that they don't want <laughs> yeah. to fuck, fuck with that noise. And, you know, I also just want to turn back that the global resistance also, right, has been so... Like the civilian resistance, yeah, 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 like the private, yeah, and like listen, like private, like private enterprise, like you know, like if you ever want to talk about a fucking uh, a a fucking case for capitalism or at least free market, I don't know if you would say capitalism, but like free market at least in certain sense is like the per like if a fucking country if 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 a if a country owns the means of production, right? In a certain way. Like, I know that's not what communism really means, but let's just take a moment. And that country decides to go to war on something, right? Then all of those, you can't just be like, okay, well, this company is going to boycott that thing because the government owns that shit. But when the government doesn't own it, the companies can make their own decisions, right? Which is a completely different bargaining chip that I honestly am mm. like wondering if Putin like doesn't fully understand like all the like, all, right. you know, like did he realize that like Apple is just gonna be like, yeah, we're just like not the crazy ones shit. too for me are the oil companies like. Yeah, yeah. The oil and the airline, it, like it looks like um, Russian airspace might get closed by Russia, but frankly, they have nobody to fly to really anymore. Right, right, um, right, right, and right. it, there, I've been seeing a lot of reporting uh, that they're Putin's going to give a speech tomorrow. I don't know how that works with time change, so maybe like early today, Moscow time, as we record right. this. But um, there's a lot of expectations that he's going to close the borders and declare martial law. Uh, yeah, wouldn't, is, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be surprised. You know, bad, he's he's becoming I mean, more he's becoming more and more isolated. Yep, right. Yep. And, yeah. and like there was reports that came out today in the United States, it'd be yesterday in Europe, right? Late yesterday, that he had phone calls with like Emmanuel Macron, and Macron immediately was like, "Ooh, he does not sound good. He sounds like he yeah. is getting that was some he scary is doubling shit. down. He's well, doubling yeah, down, yeah. and it's going to get more forceful, which yeah. is well, uh, uh." a side effect of the type of sanctions and the type of isolation politically that we've been yeah, pushing yeah. on Putin to say that hopefully this yeah. will stop him in his tracks. And it, it may yeah. not. It could turn worse sooner. There's, than and there's also an interesting um, doctrinal thing going on here. The Russians uh, have a political military doctrine that is um, escalate to de-escalate. And right. so, like, yeah. if, yep. if someone puts in the chips to, to make poker, like, someone makes a moderate bet and you go right. all in – because you want yeah. them to fold, right? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that yeah, I, that's how I viewed the 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 most recent nuclear threat. And I think Biden played right. that really well, which was like, "Cool story, bro." Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You're not gonna like, you're not gonna fucking do yeah. it. Well, and I think that the closing the military, declaring uh, martial law, 
Also, the fact that apparently Russian citizens are already feeling the impacts of the, oh, yeah. uh, like intense spiral of the, the ruble of, that quickly. Yeah. And, yeah. It's insane. and it's the dude who got on the Russian state media <laughs> and who was like, as like an analyst, like, how's the stock market? And he opened a drink. He's like, let's toast yeah, to the was, death of the Russian ruble. It was nice to know you, stock market. Yeah, he literally was toasting the death of the Russian stock market. Can you imagine Unreal. if the NASDAQ was like, we're done? <laughs> Well, literally so, we don't yeah, exist so, over so on that point on that point yeah i would love for everybody just to envision for a second because i have been doing just that like what would life be like here if we were going through what the russians were going through right now i think it oh, would yeah. be fucking chaos you think the protests yeah. last year two years three years were bad dude oh, i'm yeah. telling you 10 to 100 times that turnout minimum you know, but we also live in a place where protest is legal. And it's, so, it's, you know. yeah, it, that's textbook to yeah. do martial law right it now. Is it's textbook. textbook. You don't, you, yeah. you know, these groups, these groups yeah. are going to be getting together and conspiring against you. And that's the last thing that you want. And, and they're being diabolical yeah. about it too. I saw a report that um, they are, uh, if you protest, you are getting conscripted and sent to Ukraine. Wow. Wow. Wow, is, wow. Wow. Classic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's interesting. We'll see how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Do they, st- do like, they start oh, shooting you- their own citizens as they just lay down their guns and walk over to Kiev and go, I'm not shooting anybody. I was just protesting this war a week ago. Right, and, and that's so the again, further morale problems. Right. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and then yeah. we again, we get into you. You think that we have issues here with civilians and police. Dude, like the, the clash yeah. there is going to be. It's, yeah, it, it, it's tough, Blake. It's tough to have that kind of comparison. It's a little bit apples to oranges. I, I, I see the point you're making, and I, I think it's important yeah. to note to have us all think about, you know, there there are some domestic outcomes to this that could happen, depending on the hardships well, we that be continue to Oh yeah, yeah. For oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. And who knows what wheat? We ain't gonna have some wheat, and there's gonna be a huge wheat <laughs> supply shortage. Everybody, <laughs> hope you don't like bread too much. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, as Putin continues to get isolated, and it, if this does not go smoothly for him, it's very clear that what they were trying to do to, was kind of go in, chop the head off of the Ukrainian government, install a puppet government, and they thought it would take like a week. And we're sitting yeah. here a week later yeah. going, hmm, they've really taken one city in southern Ukraine that was close to Crimea. And besides that, they've had yeah. fierce resistance and they've had logistic nightmares because <laughs> they yeah. thought it'd be yeah. easy going. And the longer that that yeah. drags out and seeing Putin's reaction over the last five days, the more you have to think it's going to get dire in Russia. Yeah. And it could be yeah. it could be very bad in Russia before it gets better. And I, that that could manifest itself uh, in the type of like riots, coup attempts, that kind of stuff. Um, Russia in, in has Russia a, for sure. Russia it, has a, a history of it. Yep. And I think it would be one of the, barring like a, a civil war in Russia, which would be terrifying because of their nuclear arms. Um, if we had like, let's say a palace coup, which is yeah. um, a political science term, which is like the, you know, um, military brass. Yeah. The elites come in and they're like, Hey man, you're not in charge anymore. Um, yeah. That would be, <laughs> I think one of the best possible outcomes and it is entirely. Yeah, and I think a lot of the sanctions yes. were swift and intense and mm-hmm. trying to get that to happen. 
Um, yeah, because the oligarchs are like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. that one oligarch put like a $1 billion uh, uh, bounty on Putin's head. A one million. I think it was million, but yeah. Oh, yeah. million. All right, we'll sell Still. whatever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think that's one of the best possible outcomes to this. I'm really, really praying for that. Um, but it's entirely possible that that happens and it's actually a bad thing, right? And it, Or it's entirely possible that... A million other things happen because yeah. we're in a war, and that's one thing that I am concerned about is that um, the American people basically have no living memory of this, and we didn't have a very good yeah. memory of of war to begin with. COVID. Um, <laughs> oh, I was thinking like shit like COVID. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, we didn't have a good memory. Like, just think about like how no one knew what a pandemic was. Nobody knows what war is. We so. we have no but, like. Right. And the other thing is that the American people have. As a society, we don't have a good way of like we haven't been tested a lot in this way. It was the Civil War, and it was basically nine eleven, and that's that's just about it of like really devastating stuff on our soil. But yeah, it's a lot conflict, easier when you get to try to ride in and play hero, or it's, yeah, or you and lose your cities in a place are fine. eight thousand miles away. The, the yeah, thing about right. this conflict is that. I would be very surprised to learn that Russia did not have the capability of sabotaging one of our nuclear plants to melt down. Right. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. The, go back to the information warfare. It's beyond, it's it's information war, but it's also yeah, technological cyber warfare. Yes. Yeah, it's right? there. And yeah. cyber warfare. It can hit. What happens if uh, Russia takes down our power grid? I mean, yeah. I, right, yeah right. I, well, you know what happens if nuclear weapons get detonated in the fucking atmosphere? EMPs, right. which then wipe right. out. Yeah. Right. So, like, I mean, so I, I saw reports easily. about that, like, the first couple days afterwards. And I was like, they're not going to push that up. They're not going to really up cyber warfare unless they feel that there's an imminent threat of the United States putting troops on the ground and actually threatening their invasion. And that could happen in the next two weeks. I think yeah. that the, I'm I am assuming that this is going to be a multi-year event and yeah. that just means yeah. that I have no way of understanding what like the um escalatory yeah. events yeah. are going to be and one of them basically I want our listeners to be prepared for something that the American people basically have not experienced on a mass scale since the 1860s and it doesn't mean that we should not fight this fight because i think that we should but we're we should be prepared that there are going to be some fucking consequences yeah. to this it's not going to be just watching it on social media like it was with syria or iraq or anything there's going to be shit that happens over here to your life personally very likely i think and i just want everybody to yeah. hold on to the butts yep yeah and i to that, I have something to say, but I also see that Blake has something to say. I want to bring it home, but Blake, what you got? I, do you think that Russia has the resources to draw this out for a couple of years? I don't think they do. Um, and I, I think they could absolutely Vladimir lay Putin siege militarily. Uh, yeah, yes. but his money is not going to be worth anything. The oligarchs have enough money stashed around that they personally are going to very likely be fine. It's whether the populace feels it hard enough and blames yeah. Putin and does something about it. But, but it is possible that they blame the West, where are they, too. Like they're, I mean, we're talking like goods. Goods are going to be getting cut off, you know, luxury items. Of course. Yep. It's going to affect the those thing, oligarchs. You people know? starved in wars before. Yeah. You know, it's, it wouldn't be the first time. It's just, you know, you know I, I, it, and it, that will be an exponential curve, I suppose. 
you know, when that pressure starts to build. Yeah, I, I agree, Blake. I think that yeah. it's hard. Again, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where the Russian populace exactly stands on this. It's I think it's yeah. still too yeah. new. It's still too quick to really get a full understanding. I think we have some understanding of where people stand on Putin. And I think the harsh realities of what the war is, is sinking in over the last couple of days in Russia. And that destabilizes yeah. them. And we don't know exactly what that's going to do. Um, but I will say, I I will just caution all of our listeners that another piece of this information warfare that we're all living through over the past week is that a lot of information comes in very quickly and it's very easy to start getting into a cycle of what's the worst that can happen. This is going to happen, right? Going down the chain, things like economic sanctions, Things like moving troops into different places to support the Ukrainians takes time. There has to be a reaction. There has to be days to think about what is happening militarily, tactically, what's happening with the economy. And so this isn't going to, John's right that it's going to stretch out and it could, it, it, it may not be a two, three year thing. But it's absolutely going to be a multi-month thing, <laughs> right? It's not yeah. going to be like, we're going to solve this all tomorrow. We're going to get to, let's get to yeah. the nuclear war part in two days, right? It's just not going to happen. It's going to, all this ratcheting, all this stuff takes time in war. It takes time. So. I think, Tyler, can I tell a quick anecdote or am I going to blow your yeah. spot yeah. up? Yeah. Okay, so I think no, that this is an inter- this is a good case study that um, I think uh, illustrates kind of our point. So, um Germany invades uh, Poland in September 1939. They wrap it up really fast. Um, I, I forget the exact timeline, but they they might have wrapped up a couple. I forget like where Denmark was in there and shit. Um, but anyways, there was a, a long while. There was there were basically a whole winter before they moved on France. We we just. In our in our histories, we say Poland happened, and then France happened, and then uh, Pearl Harbor happened, and then D Day happened, and then we dropped the bomb, and then we won. And we forget that like there was a whole winter between the invasion of Poland and the invasion of France, and it was refer in history they refer to it as the phony war, right? Because the and, French and the British, and there was years between the invasion of Czechoslovakia and the invasion of Poland. Yeah, exactly. Years. Yep, and so. Um, that I think is an instructive example of the moment I fear that we are in is that this is something that is going to be years long and there's going to be lots of events. It's going to be lots of up and downs. It's going to be real scary at times. And the best thing we can do is what the British did, which was keep going, keep calm and carry on. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and listeners, I know we're we're dragging your ear here, but I think really importantly, John was talking about, you know, the, the impacts of this at home, right? The information where, and Kelly also mentioned, I wanted to highlight, like, there's a lot of information going around. There's a lot of misinformation going around or things we find out were like not totally accurate when you kind of like, you know, these things. So always be careful what you see on, on the internets. Um, but talking about how that the fight is important at home, bringing it back to Trump, because we would be remiss not to mention the obvious connections that have been there as we have seen, uh, since the 2016 election between Trump and Putin. But there are some very, very, very stark, important things. Um, for example, that uh, the only edit, right, or that they had uh, to the Republican national, um, what's it called, platform. the um, agenda? 
platform um, was the uh, not giving aid to Ukraine, right? Aid, right? It was like, yeah, not giving aid to Ukraine. And that fell at the time, I think we mentioned in this pod that they were like, that's weird. That's a weird thing. Um, and now in retrospect, we can be like, huh. Well, that seems like there was some um, collusion. Yeah. Trump's entire <laughs> impeachment. Uh, entire um, impeachment. Trump's entire impeachment <laughs> was about that. The was about that. Hinged on the Ukraine. First impeachment. Yeah, first. first. Do you recall, too, when he was first running, I believe that the Republican Party removed the whole Russia bit on their totally. platform. So that's, the, yeah, that, so that's the thing, right? Is that when we talk about this in the slow creep of fascism, I think that's the other thing to highlight here is it's like, well, it's another word. It's something somewhere far away. It's like, but the, actually the creep of fascism is right here and is at our door. We had a proto-fascist uh, president for four years who really tried to deconstruct our democracy. Yep. And, you, and you see it in Republican actions. Backed yep. by mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin and Russia. Backed by Vladimir Putin. So it's not... Elected yes. by Vladimir Putin who, and and so yes, yes that exactly who is doubling down who Trump is doubling down yes. on his support for Putin right uh, now, that's right? why I really like this information warfare contact uh, framing because it it allows us to connect the dots between the Crimean invasion the installation of Donald Trump as president and what is happening today uh, I think it's all part of a a thread. Um, and so I, and I think it's an important context for us to keep in mind because it allows us to have a conversation about democracy versus autocracy. And that is something that I think this is a small, small front that is eventually going to end up in that fight. And so I think, you know, we're, we need to construct it that way in our minds. I think that's an important understanding. Yeah, and all all power to the Ukrainians who are on the forefront of the violent military escalation of this small feat of fascism. They are fighting a fight for all of us in free nations, right? Um, and it's devastating to see what's happening to them and to um, their land and their cities. And also just like the resistance of, yeah, people just being like, well, this is what we have to do um, is pretty incredible. And also the, the people leaving, like, you know, I, I think it's like, like you don't want to be like, oh, the people who are staying, it's like also the people who are like, all right, I have to take my kid. I have to look out for the future. Yeah, like, a lot know, of, yeah. all the people, Gro- the a lot of grown men are sending their wives and kids out of the country so they can I stay mean, there and fight. I don't think we talked about the the numbers, but I think it was 38 million people above the age of 18 in the country of Ukraine. One million. Yeah. Well, they're not letting they're not letting men of 18 to 60 leave. Right. Um, yeah. So some so, of them are having to stay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're all. You know, those are the people that are being handed weapons. Oh, for yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I it, also the foreign legion, the, the foreign, foreign legion. legion. I mean, literally, like everything that is old is new again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's exactly what happens. So, it's like if, if the United States ever had a problem where we were getting attacked by a foreign country on our soil, they'd be conscripting oh, yeah. people too. They'd be like, no, we're not letting anybody yeah, yeah, under 50 yeah. go. You're taking a fucking gun and you're going out there and shooting them. And That's I think warm, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I had to, yeah. if I was in the prediction business, which I'm not, um, Russia will eventually be able to blast its way through Ukraine, and then we're going to enter a really terrible insurgency phase. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think you're right, Jeff. They certainly have the air capability to do so and the artillery capability to do so. It's just when they pull the trigger to do it. Yeah. 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 And how much devastation they're willing. Because Putin, I heard a good... Uh, I think this he's kind of in this... um, I think this might have been on the Lawfare podcast. He can um, lose... Short, he can lose long, he can lose big, he can lose small. 
those are his four yeah. options, right? Yeah, now. there's really no winning, and right? Yeah, there's no winning for him yeah. in this particular operation. It seems like he is fucked up, um, and yeah. there's only getting it out out of it slow, fast, um, longer, hard. Yeah, fucking a. And, you know, I think with, with that, there's always going to be more to say. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll probably be talking about this in the pod for, for a long time. I only have one more thing to say, which is Russian warship. Go fuck yourself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>